Hello, the Literacy View is back. We have a new episode, and I think you're really going to be interested in this topic because it's occurring in classrooms across our country every single day. Faith, tell us a question. So we will be talking about independent reading, sometimes called SSR, Sustained Silent Reading, sometimes called Dear Time, Drop Everything and Read. And the question is, should independent reading occur during classroom time? And uh, there are quite a few thoughts on this. Most teachers really hold on to their silent reading, independent reading time. They value it. They believe that kids get a lot out of this, whether it's motivation, whether it is um, making them better readers. But the research really doesn't support this. Uh, and we are going to discuss this. And I'm going to turn it over to my friend Judy to kick off and to hear some of her thoughts. And then we're going to jump in and chat. Go, Judy. So hello, everybody. Judy Boxner here. And I want to say that, you know, I'm still in the trenches every single day in New York City. Um, and I definitely see a lot of independent reading happening. It's called independent reading, but I'm not sure that everybody's reading, unfortunately. Now, the reason that I see it every day is because most teachers are told that they need to do either guided reading or guided literacy or small group reading instruction. So basically they take a small group and then the rest of the kids are told that they have to do independent reading. Now what that looks like when the kids are reading on their own gets a little messy and ugly sometimes. Some of the kids can't really read. So they're sitting, they have a book upside down, they're looking over there. Then some kids, they're on a computer program and it's supposed to be like a mirror reading or Lexia learning, but you see that they're playing a video game. So independent reading, it can be beneficial, I think, to some students, but it has to be very well thought out. And um, that's some of my thoughts. So let's get into it. Okay. Well, the National Reading Panel did say that more research is needed because they, the effectiveness is not clear. And Judy, you bring up so many important points. I think independent reading should remain in classrooms for kids that are reading and love to read and want to get to those book baskets and read. However, in K through two, I believe strongly that they should be reading decodables and that teachers should be pulling small groups and using that time for reme remediation. So kids are reading decodables if they are not able to access books that are just general books. So if they're still learning to read in K1 and 2, they should be reading decodable books to, to reinforce the skills that were already taught in the lesson, hopefully that day. So I just want to jump in and say um, my understanding of uh, independent reading time, Mary, is usually that kids get to pick their own books. Yes. So now that could look very different 
from using decodable books. If they're picking either from the classroom library or from the school library, often they're picking books because they have pretty covers or when they open it up, it's very engaging in terms of the pictures. Again, nothing wrong, and I wanna be very clear about this, nothing wrong with kids thumbing through a book and just enjoying looking at the pictures, but we're talking about classroom time, valuable classroom time, when the day is already jam-packed with a lot of things. Is this the best use of time? I think Judy brought up some great points. Her examples clearly come like right out of my book even, because I even wrote some of those things, Judy, in failing students or failing schools with the book upside down. Um, I've seen it myself also, just what Judy said. So it goes back to valuable classroom time. How should kids be spending their time? Well, you know what, I you know, I, I really feel strongly teachers, I think, would be up in arms if independent reading time was removed from their school day. Um, it's so, so important for building all of the other pillars of reading. Um, however, this is what I would say. If a student is learning to read, they have to be in a decodable. Their choice is a decodable. So they get a set of decodables based on the skill that they're learning, and they may use those books during independent reading time. But I would also be pulling small groups of students to work with them because you're right, that classroom time is so valuable. I have witnessed it in my own classroom where I, you know, I was a teacher for 32 years, uh, kids rolling around on the carpet and fooling around. So it, so it has to be structured, but we have so many kids who are leaving second and third grade who cannot read. There is a huge problem. So what I find, I love, I love the whole idea of putting real literature and all these great books into classrooms where we've missed the mark is putting decodables into the classroom. Super important. So what are decodables? I guess parents and people who are listening that might not know what those are, we can explain. So, yeah, so we actually um, did an episode talking about books. So just to reiterate, a decodable really is a sound out book, sounding out book that's based on the phonics skills that are taught. So the book should mirror the skills that are being taught in phonics, and then children are getting practice in order to map those letters and sounds and get really good at it to build fluency. So that is one idea of using um, independent reading time probably in a more productive way for those kids who need that practice. Again, it goes back to also spending our time. What research also shows us is that kids read more when they become better readers, okay? So um, teacher-directed work, building their reading capacity actually will motivate them to want to read outside of the school day, where keeping independent reading in the class often 
might um, seem as if it's fluency building, but you can only get fluent if you already have a good amount of code to work with. So you really have to be careful. And I think that's what Mary was saying in terms of using time wisely. Judy, any thoughts? Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts on this as well. Good, let's hear. So I think, you know, small group instruction is very important, although there's problems with that as well, because like if you have kids that are really struggling and you only see them in a small group once a week, they're probably not going to make enough progress either. So there's so many problems with that as well. The other thing that I think would be really, really helpful is if you're doing small group reading, give that book to the child during independent reading on another day so that they could practice on something that they've seen before that's familiar so they could have that practice, maybe to read it with a buddy. Like what does independent reading have to look like? Does it have to look like everybody being silent? No, there could be kids sitting and reading the big book that the teacher read in the class. It, it could be different. It doesn't have to be the same. Also, if you're doing foundations, they very often have a connected passage. We've seen this passage. Now read the passage yourself. Maybe find some good sounds in it. Slide through the words in it. I don't think independent reading is a bad thing. I don't know if I'm on the same page that all the books that the children are reading in the class should be decodable. Oh, no, yeah. not all. Only for, I need to be clear, only for the people, the kids, that, the students that are learning to read. Because independent reading, to be truly independent, they have to be able to decode 95% of the words in the text. But just because you gave them a book that's decodable doesn't mean that they're going to sit there alone and be successful, right? Right. That's true. But you know what? At least they would have, they would be able, they have some hopefully uh, schema and skill set that they can start to apply. But when they're reading, um, and, and I do believe in literature, my own granddaughter has a book room filled with books. So yes, we want kids to have books, but if we're giving them any old books or telling them to go to level I or level B or level A or C, those books are not decodable. So it, it hinders their progress only for the kids that are learning to read. All right. So when I was a classroom teacher, and it's been a couple of years because now I'm a literacy coach, but when I was a classroom teacher, I'll be honest, when we were doing a unit about dinosaurs or fairy tales. We also had those baskets because kids wanted to see those type of books. And let me tell you, a lot of the kids were reading them. Not everybody in the class was choosing them, but you know, it's fun to have books to excite the kids about what you're learning in class as well. I do think connected text is really important for the transference of skills. But for instance, I was sitting with a kid today and we were working on a decodable known as geodes. And those are only 80% decodable. And it was a book that the main concept was supposed to be CBC words. Do you know how hard that book was? So just because it's a decodable doesn't mean it's going to be a successful experience. There was, you know, 80% is 80%. A lot of the other words had suffixes in there and they had um, words with digraphs, but this child was still having trouble with CBC words. So was it an amazing experience? And that was sitting with me. So now picture if I gave that child that book to read independently. I don't think he'd be having a great but, grand time. But you know what, Judy? So suffix S and suffix ES, those come really early in reading. 
So it would be okay to have those words with suffixes. But it was included. a book for CV that was focusing on kids that needed to learn just how to decode a CVC word. But they should also be learning the more fat. They should also be learning those word elements like box. Box is a CVC word. So box says. But, but that comes later in foundations. It doesn't okay, but come So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to yeah. jump in right now. Let's do it. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, different elements of a book and that's fine. But ultimately <clears throat> the teacher who is in a school where um, dear time is required or, you know, SSR is required, that teacher doesn't have a choice, you know, often that okay. that is required, you know, chunk of time. How does the teacher best use the time when we know, as you said, there are many kids in that classroom not able to read, we have Mary who suggested, well, we should have decodable books available for practice. And my feeling is, yes, that should be available. That's a good thought. But I don't think a half hour to 45 minutes, and that's what some schools require, like a half hour of silent reading is a really long time for many kids where the classroom could be working on something with the teacher. Those kids could be in something where the teacher is really doing some deeper work with them. Uh, and then you also have those kids perhaps who just can't even keep up. They just can't, um, they just can't handle something like that. And then they're asked to then write about what they read. So there right. could be another 15 minutes of writing about what they supposedly read. And that's like 45 minutes in a very, um, you know, packed in day to have to do this. Faith, What's can I jump in? Faith, let me jump in. So small group instruction, do you feel that it's an important part of the classroom? I think most of the time, teacher-directed work is more valuable, to be yeah, honest. Okay. I really do. Well, I, and, and the research supports that also. It's not just my opinion. Um, that, you know, I'm not saying that small group work, sometimes pulling a group for extra help isn't important. But we know a lot of those kids during group time, as you know, are not really on task. There's a lot of wasted time in Wait, this whole day when kids when you are say not they're not on task. When you say they're not on task, are you referring to the kids that are doing the independent practice or in the small group? Well, small group with the teacher, well, then they're with the teacher. But I'm oh, okay. talking about either at centers or reading by themselves often those kids are not on task. So, and so I do think yeah. most of the day should be teacher-directed instruction. Well, and you know, the, the other part is if teachers are only meeting with small group reading groups once a week, alarm bells, triple alarm, yep. then you're complaining about only being able to meet with them once a week, then you start pulling them. I was in a balanced literacy classroom for seven years. 
and kids were given post-its. They had stacks of post-its <laughs> and all they did with the post-its, according to our workshop, Lucy Calkins workshop was right on the post-its, but they drew pictures, they scribbled, they stuck all over the book. It yeah. was a complete waste. Plus there was no accounting to parents because you couldn't send home all these crummy little post-it notes. So I believe that it really does have to be structured K through three, Judy. But, and I say keep independent reading because I had kids who were really great readers. So you don't want to take that away from them. They They get absorbed into a book. They go to town. But as far as all the other kids, this is the time we can catch them. Can I just say one thing? If they are really great readers, those kids are the ones choosing to read. And they would be choosing to read outside of the classroom. So I'm just saying that the independent reading time doesn't necessarily make them better readers. And it doesn't necessarily encourage kids to read at home. As we know, independent reading time has been going on for years and we still have you know, a literacy crisis. So it's not like this practice has proven to be successful as is. Maybe it needs tweaking if it's still in the classroom, but I think more time should be spent on teacher-directed instruction. I still think that small group instruction is extremely important. And maybe that means bringing in a reading specialist that runs around the building to work with groups or more support staff to help the teacher because the teachers are very overwhelmed when they have 28 kids in the class and there is a literacy crisis, especially the pandemic is really showing us how much our children are really struggling even more now. So I fully think that small group reading is very important. I think our readers have very different needs. And, you know, one student might be having trouble with phrasing and fluency, and they need a little bit more attention with that. Some students need to learn how to slide at points of difficulty and make sure they're connecting what they learned in phonics. They need to be pulled for that extra help. But we're really talking about leaving kids on their own right. for extended right. periods right. of time right. in a day that's already pretty um, packed in. I I think that's the issue. This, and you know what? We need to be teaching what we know works, what the science shows us works. And you know, when I I just left the classroom, but I'm still teaching many students across the US. But when kids would leave with their book bags to go to intervention groups, tier two and tier three with their book baggies, no way. (laughs) That is that is so wrong, guys. Why? I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Tell me a little 100%. bit more about why, Mary. Because they're, they need specific, explicit intervention in how to read. Right. You don't give them a bag, a book in a bag that's a leveled reader right. that has no pad. There's no sense to it. And then they're all reading different books in their intervention group. And there's absolutely or very little instruction. So they need to be taught. Guess what? They need to be taught schwa. How many teachers are teaching schwa? Are they teaching the syllable type? Seriously. And I was a teacher. I know my best friends are teachers. But two, you know what? Independent reading in tier two and three, no way. 
And I have to tell you, if they're going out for intervention and the interventionist will not see them as a group working on a skill, that's a problem. That is a big problem because that teacher being, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, by the time they walk to the classroom and walk back, the time is over. They haven't done anything, you know, valuable. It's, it's ridiculous. Can I bring up another disaster that I see happening sometimes? Go ahead. (laughs) What about, oh, for 10 minutes, you're going to read and then you're going to do a center. And sometimes I'll see kids doing a center during independent reading time where they're clipping alphabet letters to to a little thing. And and then I come in another week and they're clipping the same alphabet letters. And then three weeks later, they're clipping the same alphabet letters and, and stuff like that. That's happening too during independent reading time. And there's that. I've seen it too. I've seen activities like that, like just activities, you know, lots of little activities. And a lot of it is just so the teacher can work with a group, you know, giving kids like here, take out your book and do it. And I was guilty of this myself. Who, you know, this is what we did. But because I also you can't know. survive. You can't survive with exactly. 27 other kids. Exactly. Exactly. You All have right. this whole class and you have to do yeah. these things. But in the end, that's why I think if we kind of turn this around and think, well, maybe if we spent more time on, let's say, really reading with them and showing them and modeling how to read something that's a little bit more complex. And then we work on those skills that are necessary. That might be a better use of time than just saying, take out your books now, books that were, you know, um, self-directed, chosen by the kids that might not even be appropriate for them. I think that really becomes waste. Now, what I do think our the biggest. That? Oh, I'm sorry. What do the I, biggest yeah, thing with the biggest thing with with uh, readers who struggle? The area that they struggle with most is phonological awareness. Mm-hmm. So anything that teachers can be doing with those kids that are at risk, who who we know, at, you know, that they are not going to maybe be reading at grade level by by grade three, work on phonological awareness during independent time and let the rest of the kids who can read, go ahead and read. I think that there's much more going on than just a lack of phonological awareness. I think those phonics skills and seeing the print is really, really important for a lot of those kids and making that connection So I think we've spoken a lot about what's not working and a lot of teachers don't have those decodables in their classroom and their principals might still be saying you're doing guided reading and so forth. So how can we come up with some solutions that are really practical and will help our teachers feel like they're being more efficient with their use of time? What are some solutions? There are some really great decodables that I I have posted and I'll repost but that are available for free. And and even ones that you don't have to run all this paper off, um, that you can, the kids can, they can look at it on a screen, but they're really, really accessible and great. And then there's work that goes along with the decodable book after they're finished reading. So I can post that to our our, uh, Facebook page. I think um, if 
teachers are in uh, school buildings where SSR or dear time is, you know, they're required to have this time, then I think we have to think about the kids who um, are taking out books and just perhaps hiding behind the book, not really reading. I wrote a blog about this a while ago, um, and it's called Don't Even Attempt to Read. You know, that's basically what I've seen, not even an attempt where it's really just kind of, all right, they um, are just going to try to get through this time as best as they can. I think what teachers can do is ensure that whatever books those children are supposed to be reading during independent time, that they actually could read them. So uh, really, maybe a little bit more of a careful spot check that it can't be totally, you know, choose your own adventure and see what happens. If the time is there and they are required to use that time, make it worthwhile and maybe pre-screen a certain you know, number of books that would be available to them. And then for those kids who can read, who are reading fluently, we don't want to forget about those kids and assume that they're okay. We still want to listen to them read and make sure that they're getting something more as well. I, I think sometimes we take for granted that, all oh, right, those are the kids who can do it let them, you know, do their thing. But we really have to think about those kids at the top tier as well. Absolutely. 1%. Okay. Anything else? Right. Any final thoughts? My last final thought is, um, please, teachers, you can look into decodables. Maybe your PTO or PTA would be willing to buy a classroom set or um, get the ones that are free available online. But if you have struggling readers in K-1-2, they should be reading decodables so that they can become, they can break the code and learn to read. And my final thought, um, if you're doing small group reading and the kids had some success with that book, let that be their independent reading as well. And also Connected text is very important. Connected to what's happening in the classroom. Connect the learning so that the transference happens. I think both of you had some good ideas. My last thought would be, if uh, you have any say, you might want to mention to your principal uh, to consider having something like great books available. Great books are books that are classic stories where the teacher brings together the whole class and really digs in together. And um, there's accountability where they come up with questions and talk about a book. And I think that's probably a better use of time and kind of make the independent time a little shorter. I think it's a, it takes too much time out of the school day. That's my thought. And provide, hopefully, books that they could take home with them, making sure they're choosing wisely from the school library so that perhaps maybe if teaching uh, reading is taught the way it should, they'll be able to read those books and really um, get something out of them. Well, thank you all of, to our listeners and our viewers. 
Uh, if you like what uh, you're hearing and seeing, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Literacy View. And we can fi- you can also find us wherever you get your favorite podcast. So with that, we bid adieu. Good night. Good night.